Welcome to the Support Automation Show, a podcast by Capacity. Join us for conversations with leaders in customer or employee support who are using technology to answer questions, automate processes, and build innovative solutions to any business challenge. I'm your host, Justin Schmidt. Hey, Jeff, how's it going? Uh, going well. It's uh, sunny and cool down here in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, so I can't complain right now. Ah, I was just going to ask you where this podcast finds you. Love South Carolina. Yeah, this is, uh, this is my favorite time of year. So it is not too hot yet. And, you know, you, as soon as it hits July, August, September, you're kind of, uh, you're, you're looking for ways out. But right now you're looking for ways to stay and be outside. So uh, definitely my, my favorite time of year, especially if I can go outside, maybe find a beer somewhere uh, at a brewery or something like that. So it's been fun. Yeah, St. Louis, Missouri, which is where we are, is a very similar um, weather situation where you got like three or four nice weeks out of the year, but otherwise it's, you know, you walk outside in the heat and humidity, you're just like, what am I doing with my life? (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. So thank you for coming on, Jeff. Really appreciate it. Tell me a little bit about uh, Higher Logic and your role there. Yeah. So Higher Logic is a engagement platform. Um, So we we're really born in the community space and mm-hmm. um, have helped organizations and associations build online communities for a long time. Um, and subsequently, we've also added um, email as a part of that kind of engagement and, uh, you know, potentially subsequently adding adding other things over time as we start thinking more about what that means in kind of the digital age, but really focused on driving engagement for our uh, associations and for our customers and thinking about community, how it's rooted in the sense of bringing peers together, mm-hmm. um, bringing, you know, uh, learnings, how do you have uh, events and hold discussions together? So, uh, that's what higher logic does. And then my role is I'm the, the director of customer experience. And so I've got a couple of areas that I'm playing in right now. One is, um, our customer community. Mm-hmm. So I play a big role in, in trying to bring our customers together and drive some of that peer engagement. Um, I play a role in our education and training. So we've got, uh, a great team. And so we're always trying to find how do we help our customers uh, make sure that they're, you know, getting the information they need to be successful on our platform. Um, And then the third part is uh, really around scaling our um, customer success strategy. So how are we engaging with customers, you know, Mm -hmm. um, as we start growing, you know, the uh, as much as I'd love that we can have, you know, really one-to-one type interactions, it's just um, necessity of our our business um, and the way that we're, we're growing that we need to you know, find ways and strategies that we can uh, automate, that we can uh, drive some efficiency, and hopefully still keep up a very high level of engagement and a very high level of uh, effectiveness doing that. So uh, that's kind of my role right now in those three buckets. Yeah, that's very interesting because when you look at the impetus for enacting change in any function within a business, but customer facing roles, um, especially, you have sort of great success is an impetus for change to adopt and and keep up with the growth. And then you sort of have the opposite end of that where you have to adapt to um, a sort of less friendly change in the business. And and it's always good to hear people who are on the journey on the upward trajectory and and very exciting to hear and, and super excited for you guys. When you think about how you got started in customer support and the facilitation of doing it at scale, especially what's the story there? How was this something you sort of fell into? Was it, was it a a once in a lifetime opportunity kind of thing, or is this a plan? Just curious how you got into the, into the world. 
Yeah. Um, I think, you know, kind of backed my way into it, so to speak. You know, I, I was uh, very much a, an analyst, um, data kind of behind mm. the scenes, really loved to, to be looking at uh, A-B tests or how we were doing things. And uh, I think what tended to happen is that I really had to become good at architecting stories. So, you know, data is one thing, but being able to tell a story with that data and help be, bring people along in a journey is, I think, where I really started to um, maybe push those skills. And that, I think, in turn, started to get me to be a little bit more customer facing. So mm -hmm. um, I really went into roles that were um, maybe more akin to like a customer success manager um, into roles like an account manager. Um, and that's kind of where my career has been for a number of years. Um, and, you know, I think when we, uh, Jay, Jay Nathan, my business partner and I, when we, we had our consulting firm, um, you know, those skills continued to, to happen. Um, we were helping customers. And then, you know, even today, uh, I think, you know, the, the best thing or biggest thing uh, uh, about my day is trying to engage with as many customers as possible, you know, listening, uh, trying to hear what they're saying, hear their challenges, the opportunities that are there. Uh, but just having those conversations is, is really um, a joy for me. But getting back to the root of your question, I think, um, again, kind of the, the heart for me was, you know, finding and architecting stories and, and mm -hmm. then really um, being close to the customer was, you know, I think what drew me towards uh, this kind of customer realm and being involved with customers on a, on a regular basis, you know, daily basis, interacting with them. Yeah, it's it's interesting when you think about the role customers play in an organization. You have obviously they're the paramount of, of it's of paramount importance that that they are successful because if a customer is not successful, business is not successful. But your customers are also your best source of product pipeline ideas. They're your best source of you know incremental um, revenue for the business with renewals, upsells, et cetera, et cetera. So getting into that, into that, uh, community, getting into the business needs of these people, listening to them and bringing that feedback into an organization is a part of the sort of customer support experience. I think often gets, I wouldn't say overlooked, but the average person sometimes thinks like, well, I need to return something to Best Buy or whatever it is. And you, you know, you start chatting or phone call or whatever, but there's a lot more to it than that. So, you know, we're here on the support automation show and like to talk about automation and how it impacts support. And customers are one of the entities that deals with automation a lot. Um, when I hear, when I say the word support automation, what does that mean to you? I think when I, when you first kind of, uh, you know, threw it out there, for me, I think it really starts to come down. I, I think about it maybe in two realms. Mm -hmm. uh, I started to compartmentalize it as like, what does support automation mean for, kind of the customer facing activity. So mm -hmm. um, how are we making it easier for the customer to engage with us? How are we making it uh, a better experience for them? How are we making sure that they can get the answer to what they need to quicker? Right. And then I think on the back end, that kind of means, um, you know, how are we thinking about some of our operational metrics that are going to drive success? And are we being as effective as possible mm -hmm. uh, with the resources we have? Are we being as resourceful as possible? And so bringing it in from kind of both realms, um, that's kind of what first jumped into my mind when you threw it out there. Yeah, it's obviously a capacity here. We develop products to help automate a lot of the um, both back-end workflows that that happen within an organization, but also some of the customer-facing stuff, whether it be AI chat or, or whatever it is. But one thing that's been really fun for me doing this show and talking to leaders in this, in this space such as yourself is there is a lot to 
think about. There's a lot to incorporate. There's a lot of different tools out there. There's a lot of different best practices. One thing you said when we were connecting to do this show that I thought was really interesting, and especially given your background with some of the communities you've ran, plus with with where you're at a higher logic now, is this is this concept of community. And when you think of automation and communities, there's a little bit of dissonance there that sort of naturally comes up in in the mind. We're like, oh, well, are we, you know, if we're automation is is using machines and, and computers and software to to do things that humans don't necessarily have to do, community is by its definition a very human experience, right? I would I would love to hear how you see the opportunity for combining these two concepts, automation and community, what some of the challenges may be in this. It's, it's, it's an interesting topic and you're uniquely positioned to explore it. So I'd love to do that with you. Yeah. Um, I actually love the way you set that up. Um, it, it just kind of architected a nice picture in my, my head. And, you know, I, I think by and large, the I think the challenge that comes, you know, when you start thinking about automation is that um, I think people's immediate reaction when they start thinking about automation or scaling mm-hmm. or technology, right, is to jump to the worst case scenario, which is, oh my gosh, the automation is going to take over the world or technology, right? Like there's not going to be a role for a human to play. And I think the balance there or what you need to find, right, is is how are you utilizing technology or utilizing automation or scaling to help augment what the, the humans are doing, right? What the the, the person is doing. And so when I think about that for community, um, the way that we try and talk about that with our customers is thinking about what are the most effective things that you can be doing as a community manager? That is probably engaging with your members on a regular basis. It's probably being in front of your members in videos like, you know, we're doing today or phone calls or, um, you know, things that uh, require you to be there that you are uh, kind of solely chosen to do, right? Like only you mm-hmm. can really be doing that type of work. Um, and then think about all the things that it takes to do that. So let's just maybe take an example of throwing an event, right? Yep. If I'm going to throw an event in my community, that's going to have 200, 300, 400 people. I mean, my goal would be to talk to every single one of them. That's what I want to do, right? And um, unfortunately, though, that's, I mean, that's time, you know, that takes for me to, to reach out and talk to all those customers. So when you start thinking about it is, Okay, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna bring people up to the stage, maybe those are people I need to meet with. Maybe that's ten people that are coming onto the stage that I need to uh, to bring on and, and kind of have that human talk, uh, human touch point with. But mm-hmm. maybe for everybody else, we've got a great sign up form where we collect the right information, and then that helps us still personalize the experience through some automation. Right, we're collecting. Hey, why are you coming to this event? What are you hoping to get out of it? Uh, that allows you to start segmenting, and I think that's where you really start to, to drive some of the power of automation. Is that if you're asking some of the right questions and, and leading it, leading up to it, then you've got great ways to segment, and then you can use your technology and automation to your advantage. Um, and again, then your your um, you know your focus as as kind of the leader of the community is then focused on the right activities, which is mm-hmm. engaging the members, mm-hmm. is running the session, um, and you're not necessarily worried about is the follow up email going to go out, is the pre email going to go out, how do people sign up, right? Those are all the pieces that automation and technology can take. So I just think you know for community leaders out there. I think that's the, the question that we always challenge them with is, um, you know, what it, what is the thing that you're solely qualified to do and that the most important thing that you should be doing? 
Um, and then, you know, what are the other parts that lead up to that that we can really start to think about for automation, technology, scaling? How can that, how can that all get involved? So um, I think that's how I normally try and think about it. And, and we try and bring that to our customers. Yeah, you're exactly right. The implementation of technology and specifically, you know, doing scare quotes here, scary technology like AI, um, which isn't scary at all, but the Terminator movies are popular for a reason, right? And like everyone always thinks, oh, you know, my Alexa devices are going to take over the world. I shouldn't have said that because I just triggered one. But um, what's interesting to me, and you touched on this, and I've been thinking about this a lot the past week or so because I had an experience myself where I had a very esoteric issue with my internet here at, at, at the house. And I went on my ISP's website. I was greeted with a chatbot. And as someone who's in this business, I know what I'm looking at. And they did a good job of, of trying to get my question answered and figured out before they have to connect me with an actual uh, agent. But when I got on the phone with the agent, you know, it was again, this is a fairly esoteric issue. So I was on the phone with them for a little bit. She and I had this great conversation. We connected about some things. We we'd, and we both lived in similar parts of the country for a period in our lives. And it was just this really great sort of human experience. And in a world where automation and, and these types of technologies are being implemented well, it frees up this agent that I was talking to to have this kind of connection and to be able to spin the brain cells that are required for a somewhat thorny issue like I was dealing with. She got it figured out, everything's good. But in a world where automation is not part of this ISP's, I don't know why I'm trying not to say the word charter here, but um, in, in, a, in, in a world where this ISP has to, uh, you know, they have tons and tons of customers with questions all day long, they have to automate some portion of the process in order for the business to work. and. This is a great example of micro scale of kind of what you're talking about with the within a larger community. But I was able to have a human to human connection with this person. And in a world where I have to go to a live agent for every single thing, you end up with agents that are answering the same question over and over and over and over again. They're they're you know maybe frustrated from having to do that. The turnover inside the organization is higher because agents are frustrated. So the way automation is brought in to support experience, whether it's for customers or even internally with employees, definitely frees people up for the higher order tasks. So you're right. Like community is human connection at a larger scale. And if we can bring in technology to enable human connection at a larger scale, then, then we're winning. So fascinating topic here. Um, when you think about the approach specifically at and this is this is a really interesting question for you because of higher logic, both sitting sort of as a community enabler of communities, but also higher logic as customers who therefore need you know need support. Um, what's the approach to automating support, and what portions of support get automated at higher logic? Yeah, I think there's a, a couple of different ways maybe that we're thinking about driving some of the customer experience for our customers around support. So I think one is we're definitely trying to think about the intersection of community support and knowledge base mm -hmm. and train and uh, training and education. I think there's mm -hmm. really a trifecta when you start thinking about those. 
And I think the more and more we go in the future, I think about how those experiences are going to become one where I'm, I'm now going to essentially one place where I'm looking for these things. I'm, I'm having kind of a singular experience. Whereas now, I think just like the example you gave and, and probably there's, there's tons of others that I can think of, um, is they all feel very disparate, right? I go to, I go to a, an education or training website that is different from the support and knowledge base mm-hmm. that is different from the community. And so I think first that's, that's the future I envision. And so one of the things that we're trying to do here is, is think about how are we unifying those experiences? And right now we're doing subtle things like, do we have the same menus and headers and footers? And can we just make the visual experience look somewhat similar so a customer feels like there is yeah. continuity in their experience. Um, but the reason I brought that up is, is, you know, we're one is that self-service. So we're always thinking about how are we allowing our customers to get to the right area where they think they can find an answer um, and how can we make that as easy as possible for them? Um, I think that is uh, a different form of automation, but I just think that is a really important critical part for us is that we need to allow our customers to, themselves just go on an experience and search for what they need to and hopefully find the right answer. Um, and that way, you know, we can start alleviating hopefully some of the, maybe the, the tickets or some of the challenges that come across our support team's desk. So I think, you know, the reason I bring that up is I just think that is a really critical part for us is that if we can nail that first part, right. Mm-hmm. I think this goes to your point. Then we know when it, when uh, a challenge comes across our support team's desk, then um, we know it's it's there for a reason, right? They've kind of exhausted the first option. They've they've looked, they've been there, they've seen those things, and it didn't hit the mark on the first one. So I think that's maybe the first part. I'll stop there, and then I'll tell you maybe a little bit more about what we're automating. Does that make sense? That kind of first unifying in part. It makes complete sense because you you have to, you know, planes are able to take off if when the runway is clear, right? So there there's 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 a lot of magic to be made by starting the experience off on the right foot and something as simple as and it, it, it's it's interesting just it may sound simple on the surface but ultimately having two systems look like it's part of the same whole is is not something that should be taken for granted and um i 100 agree with you on that uh yeah. you had a, a part two you're getting ready to go into yeah so i think there's um so I think the second thing we actually just worked through this quite a bit is um, we actually went back and kind of looked at how we were asking some of the questions on on an initial form for somebody mm. to um, kind of request you know help from our team and some of the things that we noticed was you know it was just a little sometimes in some cases it was a little vague you know we were we weren't really asking for kind of clear crisp um, concise information and then I think we weren't really asking maybe all of the things that we felt like we could be asking. I think there's, there obviously has to be a balance when you think about, uh, you know, somebody filling out a form or a survey of some kind, right. You kind of need to think about, okay, is this too many questions? Are they going to stop halfway through and just exit because they're mm-hmm. frustrated? But I think, it, you know, in, in some cases we weren't really asking maybe the right questions. And so that, that kind of exercise for us was really helpful because the more specific we got, uh, in some of the questions that we were asking, it really allowed for some of the backend information that we have. So, thinking about yes. how are we responding, you know, yes. um, in terms of just that first initial touch point, um, you know, how are we getting better information for our teams so that we can start thinking about solving cases with fewer touch points so that we don't have to, you know, essentially bother the customer as much. Um, you know, that kind of number of touches was a really big factor for us in thinking about, you know, I think in some cases, um, you know, 
there's sometimes automation can work against that, right? There's, there's, we might have automated emails that don't really need to happen. And then it kind of, um, it interrupts the experience that we're trying to, to have. So I think kind of that form and then mm-hmm. some of the, some of the ways that we were, um, then taking those, um, those answers. And then we were using automation behind us to segment and route the tickets in the right way. Um, right. like one of the challenges or, you know, uh, the second challenge I think we had after leaving that form was, do we have the right people doing the right work? And so that form up front was really valuable for us to get right because then we could actually start routing the right work to the right teams. And so, for instance, we have a support team and then we've got a support integrations team. And so if you have, if you're, if you're trying to integrate with our system, we've got a specific team for that. Well, in the old world, what would happen is a ticket would come through. It would be for an integration, but it would hit our, our, our kind of tier one or level one support first. Mm-hmm. And then we'd have to move it to the integrations team. And, you know, it sounds minor, right? That's just kind of moving one ticket, but think about doing that consistently and it just becomes a hassle. Yes. And then we don't have the right metrics on it and we're not using the right automation in terms of follow up. We don't have the right SLAs attached to it. So there's all these things that kind of came out. Um, but that was just like one clear indication of, of, uh, how we could go do that better. Um, utilizing the form. So I think the customer communications got clear, our routing behind the scenes got better. And then the metrics that we could associate for different types of tickets and touch points that we needed was um, a lot more crisp. So that was maybe one example of how we kind of took that form and really tried to, to go through an exercise recently to help us um, drive a better experience with the customer, but then also drive some of the efficiency behind the scenes for us that's going to help us be more effective. Yeah, you just gave what I hope to get out of every one of these conversations I have, which is like something super actionable for the people listening to be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to take that. I'm going to turn around and, and, and take that into the team. And that is thinking about the design of what you're doing before you just start toggling check marks in, or check boxes in your, um, in your, in your tech and buying new tech and, and sort of overthinking the problem. Um, we do a lot of work with HR teams and for, you know, employee business, BDE employee support type deals. And I have a, a webinar I give occasionally on this topic. And one of the things that we always recommend of our clients, and I think anybody doing anything with, um, software rolling out a new vendor inside the organization, really map out the process you're trying to do. Like, what are your KPIs? What are your goals? And make sure that just from a sort of procedural manual workflow perspective, you're collecting the right data at the right time. And then when you bring in technology on top of that, you start you start really adding bandwidth to the whole process, right? But if yeah. you if a poorly designed job system or, or a poor, poor job design, poor workflow design up front is not something that's sprinkling technology on the top of it's going to solve, right? So uh, very astute observation on thinking about something even as simple as the intake form and how an optimization there has a cascading effect down the line on the on the operation. Great stuff. Yeah. And maybe to carry on that point too, you know, I'm thinking about some of the, um, maybe the things that I picked over my career or kind of the, the advice that I've gotten before that I, that kind of still rings true for me is, um, like what you just mentioned, you know, I think sometimes people try and automate too quickly. And mm-hmm. I actually think going through the manual process of, you know, Hey, what does it take today? What are the manual steps that we're doing? How do we architect that? And then how do we just go do it? Right. How do we actually go consistently do it for one week, two weeks, whatever the time frame is that needs to make sense. But to me, that, that does a couple of things. It, it, like you said, solidifies, do we have the right workflow before we actually implement technology? 
but the second thing that I think it does is it, it keeps you close to the customer. When you mm-hmm. start thinking about some of the automation and technology that you put in place, you're actually kind of putting a barrier between you and the customer. And so I think that, in, again, that, that kind of inhibits your empathy towards their situation and, and putting yourself in their shoes, right? So when you start designing a process and thinking about the manual nature of it and, and start thinking about, you know, the touch points and things that are happening, you inherently have to put yourself in the customer's shoes because you're interacting with the customer most likely in, in some of those scenarios. And so um, you are going to think about, just like we were talking, you know, we're, you are going to think about how does the intake form actually hit for them? Or you mm-hmm. know, what does it look like? How do they go through it? Um, hey, what about our first touch email or our second touch email? How does that look? feel and and those are the things that i think if you can get those right before you implement the technology that's where i think you were just getting at where it really uh, becomes functional and it becomes something that's really impactful you know i can't tell you how many times i've i've and i've done this myself and, you know I'm, I'm kind of being the maybe the walking cliche right i've, I've gone in and <laughs> said hey I, I already know the answer like let's just bring in this technology and we can automate x y and z and you know, then it doesn't go right. And then, like you said, there's there's an element of change, right, internally that you have to go through, and you kind of lose credibility really quickly as a leader. If you come in and yes. say, "I already have the answer. I'm going to implement this technology," and then it fails, people start sitting there saying, "All right, what does this guy really know? Does he really know what he's doing?" Um, and so, I think you just, you know, as much as you can, try and, and approach cautiously. Think about design first. Think about the customer experience, and then think about you know implementing technology after you you've done those things and execute. Yeah, you hit on something that's near and dear to my heart, and that is establishing credibility as a leader. Um, you know, I have people that I am responsible for their success, and they are. It's an amazing team that we have here. I couldn't be more proud of the work they do. They look to me as a leader, and I have a responsibility to them to make sure they're in the best position for success. Right, and with something like automation. If a frontline support rep hears that, oh, we're going to get some sort of automation tool, does this mean I'm going to be put out of a job? Well, no. And it's incumbent on the the leader to ensure that there's trust there, to ensure that the buy-in is there and the credibility, which is a, a the, the word you use that stood out to me, is paramount. <clears throat> and making all those decisions beforehand on mapping out the process, thinking through your KPIs, et cetera. Everything we just talked about is what enables that credibility to happen so that when you do bring in a new tool, you're not met with skepticism. You're met with you're met with the feeling that this person has, you know, the best interest of of the company and myself uh, at heart here. And that's that's super important. Um, when you think about the future of support automation and where do you see, what do you see the world of support looking like in five to 10 years based off of the trends in support automation and technology that you see today? I think, well, going back to I think the example I talked about a little bit earlier, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I really do see the, um, the functions of, the, of, a, of a customer community, um, education mm-hmm. and training, and then knowledge and support I really start to see how those start to become more of a a one-time experience where I can go to one place, search for, and get multiple or various types of content. Um, So I go and search one time for, um, you know, moderation. Great. Mm -hmm. Now I'm getting an education five-minute quick hit video. I'm getting a support or documentation article. Um, So I think to me, like that just becomes... uh, kind of paramount to where I, I think everything is going is that that's going to be one unified experience. 
I think the huge benefit when you start thinking about that or where I, I see the next thing going is you start to track customers. Um, and that sounds like a bad thing. Uh, you know, I think you just start to get better analytics on customers and contacts specifically. So mm-hmm. um, I can better understand, you know, what is Justin looking for? What is he specifically individually wanting to know? I can tailor experiences so much better when I have that type of information. And so I think what you start to see in the future is um, a unification of that experience. Mm-hmm. And then therefore the byproduct is better individual uh, individualized data, which means then we can personalize the experiences even further than we have today. And so then, you know, the thought that comes to mind is, you know, uh, Justin goes and, and does a search. He um, he looks at a, an education article. He looks at support. He goes to the customer community and looks at a thread. You know what? He has to put in a support ticket. And um, now when I pull up a support ticket, it shows me all the things that you've already done to go look at and um, starts proposing solutions that are not those that you've already done. Um, right. And so I think about how that unification, that experience though, is where maybe the disparate sources live today. Um, and, um, you know, there's some of the, that experience that I just mapped out, right? There's some of those things that we can currently do, right? You can do some AI based off of uh, what I've looked at, maybe in the knowledge base or, uh, you know, what I've, what I've kind of done. But uh, again, kind of going across those three experiences is where I see the, the future going. And then that's where I think that automation and some of the AI you know, abilities on the front end of the customer experience side can get really, really good um, and, and, you know, do that even better. And then I think on the, the back end, maybe in, in some of the internal things that we're doing, um, I think about the, um, I don't know the right answer, but I just mm-hmm. think the, the uh, challenge or the thing that you see today or the, you know, when you kind of go into growing and scaling organizations is um, typically a different uh, support tool than the engineering tool, right? The classic mm. example is I have Zendesk maybe for my support team and then I've got Jira. Uh, Jira. Or whatever for, yeah. yeah, I've got Jira. And so I think about how does that experience um, get better, right? So that when a customer inputs a ticket, and maybe it's a bug that needs to get past engineering and live in Jira, how does that whole experience just become better? Because, you know, in today's world, it's two systems talking to each other. Um, you know, it's two different teams also thinking about different processes, right? Uh, yep. Bugs in engineering are di- work differently than support is working with. Uh, maybe a, a ticket. And so uh, we need to, you know, figure out what that experience looks like. So I don't know the right answer, but I just think mm-hmm. there's got to be something that maybe starts to happen where those uh, are starting to intersect maybe more. And there's, there's some sort of solution that um, again, thinks about putting the customer first and, and um, you know, kind of bridging the gap between those, those two systems. So those are a couple of things maybe that come to mind. Yeah. You touched on something that made me think about my experience with, um, the unnamed, well, we already named it, with with my ISP um, last week. And it's actually really interesting because there's no reason they shouldn't know that I unplugged the router, waited 30 seconds and plugged it back in before I called, right? Like, clearly, if that worked, I would not have called. Um, (laughs) So, yes, like technology should enable these kind of things. And you know, you also touched on something that just is very topical without know how much you're following the Apple and Epic trial and iOS 14.5 and the do not track and permissions for, for all that stuff. And Android and, and Google at I, IO yesterday, they, they talked a little bit about it. Tracking does kind of have a negative connotation, but like when you, when you start watering down the glue between systems unable to pass data back and forth for each other, you can create 
potentially worse experiences, but not enabling that. Right. So it's not yeah. all just advertising. There's, there's other things that, you know, third party cookies or whatever rely on. So yeah, that's, that's maybe another podcast, but very interesting you brought that up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a, it's a good point too. Cause I think the, like you said, it does get a negative connotation, but there's some really good value. And I think that's where, unfortunately the, you know, that, uh, the, the cookie cookie gate of uh, mm-hmm. 2021, um, is overlaying ears maybe um playing a bigger role across you know some of the good good value that can come out of of some of that um, right especially i just think about personalization so much because mm-hmm. i i can't tell you i mean i actually i mean I, I worked in digital marketing for uh about 10 years of my career as well you know and, and um uh, uh that tracking again can sometimes work against you but the, at the end of the day I'm always just like, Hey, I'd, I'd much rather get a, a actual relevant ad to me. Yes. You know, it's something that's actually relevant and meaningful. And, you know, so what if they used a little bit of my data to get there, you know, Correct. Uh, because I just think at the end of the day, if it's personalized for me, that's, that's a lot better than just getting generic ads left and right and, and, and kind of pumped into listening to things that won't, won't ever really impact me. Yeah. Depending on the age of the person I'm talking to, the example I always give is, do you remember back in the day when you'd be on a website and you'd see an ad that says like, punch the monkey and win a free iPod or whatever. And there'd be like a little reticle and you and monkey yeah. going back. You have to click at the right time without cross site tracking and personalization. You're going to start seeing a lot more of that stuff. So um, good stuff. Um, we're going to end with the, I don't know if I want to call it the fab four, even though the uh, old Michigan basketball team, I think might have that uh, trademarked or the, the famous <laughs> five, but the Nathan Lacka show, if you'd listen, it's a good podcast for entrepreneurs. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to call this segment quite yet, but we'll we'll figure it out. But just some quick fire round of some questions. Okay. Cool. What is the book you most often recommend to people? Um, probably The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni. Um, mm. It's a uh, it's a framework, kind of a management framework to uh, run teams, and, and really it's for leaders of businesses, right? So when we were, when we were running our consulting firm, uh, it was something that was close by because it was a very simple way to come up with a framework to point the point the team in the right direction and make sure everyone's on the same page. So um, I'd say, yeah, the advantage by uh, Patrick Lencioni is probably number one. I'm actually looking at it right here next to my next to me. Very cool. What's the best productivity hack or productivity tip that you've ever heard and implemented? Um, <laughs> I don't There's I'm gonna give you two. Yeah, go for it. W- one's really goofy, but uh, I'm a I'm a procrastinator at heart. And, uh, one thing that I've done recently, I, I, um, I tend to, you know, have to do a lot of presentations. I do a lot of, of, of things like this, but mm-hmm. you know, I do a lot of webinars and, and things. And so if I'm struggling to kind of put pen to paper, so to speak on, on what I need to do in terms of building slides, I'll actually unplug my computer. Uh, I'll go downstairs and then I kind of make myself a game where I say, okay, I have until my computer dies to uh-huh. build the slides and then whatever's done is basically what I'm going to present. And that kind of has forced me to, uh, but that's kind of a goofy one that I do. That, no, I like uh, it. I like that they're out there. The, uh, the quick second one that I think is a, a good, um, productivity hack for me is, uh, I do something every morning called, uh, the three things that mm-hmm. I just call it. Not really that impressive, but, um, every morning I have a little whiteboard. And so I go write, uh, three things on that whiteboard. And those are three things that if I can accomplish those today, then I'm going to call today a good day. Um, and so they can be work, they can be personal, they can be, but it's just the three things that I just know are going to cause stress, cause 
whatever else. And if those are on my board and I can center and focus on those and then I get those accomplished, it just has made my days uh, feel a lot better and feel a lot more productive, even if I'm not accomplishing 20 things on my list. Um, so that's something I do kind of every morning uh, when I have my coffee and kind of sit down at my desk. I love it. I like your homemade version of forcing constraints on yourself with the like laptop battery or whatever, right? Um, yeah. As, as, uh, laptops get more efficient, you're going to start giving yourself more time to <laughs> more time to dawdle there. But um, yeah. the sentiment is awesome. I love it. I have a feeling I know what the answer is going to be here. So I'm going to challenge you to list two. If you could recommend one site, blog, Slack community, LinkedIn group, etc. for support leaders, what would it be? Yeah, uh, obviously, the clear and obvious one, we started a community last year. So uh, gangrotain.com yep. is, is uh, great is name, one. by the way. I uh, appreciate that. Yeah, we, we had some fun naming that thing. Um, uh, the second one that I'll give you is uh, customer.education. And it mm-hmm. is um, two guys that I've I've come across, um, Dave Darrington and Adam um, Lagrantu. Mm-hmm. And they're, um, they're really great education leaders. And I just think, um, you know, when you start thinking about ways to alleviate some of the challenges and constraints that you have in support, I always just kind of think about education and training first for your customers. And so I've, I've picked up a lot of great things from their their. Um, they've got episodes and a podcast. They do some content every once in a while. Appreciate that and learn so much. Very cool. If you could take one person in the world of support out for coffee, meet them for lunch, or go have a beer with them, who would it be? First would be you. You know, got to come give you a, man, a beer. Give you a beer. You know, in, in uh, St. Louis next time I'm there. Um, and then I would probably, I think, uh, I don't know who this person is today, mm-hmm. but maybe just describing, um, or like two, I would love to go talk with whoever leads support at, uh, one of these vendors. So similar to like you mentioned, right? We're a community company. And so we're kind of at an interesting intersection. Mm-hmm. I would love to go talk to, uh, the Zen desks, the fresh desks, but like the support leaders of those organizations to see have they really souped up their automation, their technology, you know, how do they use it to their advantage? So I don't necessarily know the names of those people right now, but I'm right. thinking like, who are the leaders of kind of the CS operations or the the customer support leaders of those types of organizations? Because I'm always intrigued. Like, hey, if I peek behind the curtain, you know, at Zendesk, at Freshdesk, at any of these tools, um, you know, are you using your tool and is it like yes. hypercharged way more than us? Like that's exactly what I'm always curious about. Exactly. I um once asked a account rep of ours at Salesforce what the Salesforce instance of Salesforce is at Salesforce, what it was like. And she said, it's very well run. And that made me feel a lot better because (laughs) um, for the obvious reasons. Well, Jeff, this was a great conversation. I really appreciate you coming on today. And um, for our listeners out there, if you're looking to build and leverage community within your organizations, higher logic is the place to go. Um, And Jeff is the man to follow. Thanks so much for your time, Jeff. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Justin. Uh, enjoyed it, and uh, looking forward to you know helping helping you all uh, get this get this word out. I really appreciate the the podcast you guys have. It's awesome. Much appreciated. Thanks. The Support Automation Show is brought to you by Capacity. Visit capacity.com to find everything you need for automating support and business processes in one powerful platform. You can find the show by searching for Support Automation in your favorite podcast app. Please subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Capacity. Thanks for listening.